0: I'm here today with Karina Cirincione of Raven Studios, who makes wooden training weapons such as longsword wasters, rondel daggers, and even gladii, as well as implements for Eastern martial arts, which we'll get into in a little bit. She's also a Tai Chi and Wing Chun practitioner and instructor. So, Karina, Mm -hmm. welcome to the show. Thank you very much.
1: Really appreciate you having
0: me. (laughs) It's nice to meet you. Um, Whereabouts in the world are you?
1: I am in Arizona, in the United States, um, just north of Tucson, in a very small town um, called Oracle.
0: Wow, that's, that's a good name for a town.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a nice um, rural, small town. There's maybe 5,000 people here. It's very wow, small. that is pretty small. Okay. Yes.
0: Well, I So I imagine, I imagine you like the countryside.
1: I do, I do. It's, it's got its pros and cons, like everything, but it's very nice out
0: here. Excellent. Yeah. Um, now, we're both woodworkers, and regular listeners to the show will have probably heard me go on about chisels and planes and things before. And mm-hmm. we're both martial artists, and I should perhaps um, let you know that I do have a bit of a background in Tai Chi. Um, Great. So, and some Kung Fu as well. So I've done some of the Chinese martial arts as well. Oh, nice. Um, so we do have a lot to talk about. Um, yes. So I'm curious, which... For you, which came first, the woodwork or the martial arts?
1: Uh, Martial arts came first. Um, Okay. I started martial arts in uh, the late 80s uh, with Tai Chi. And um, then I went to, um, well, continued with the Tai Chi, but I started Wing Chun in uh, the early 90s, 1993. Um, So that's where it started. I was uh, in college at that time studying um, art, and um, uh, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. Um, so I was doing artwork at that time, but I wasn't working with wood. Uh, I was doing sculpture and things like that. But um, the woodworking came after uh, the martial arts.
0: Okay, so how did you get started with martial arts? What, what, what drew you to it? Um,
1: I've always been interested in martial arts since I was a kid. Um, but uh, never had the opportunity to start anything um, until I was in my early 20s. Um, uh, uh, moved to Tucson and um, decided, I saw an ad for a Tai Chi class and just signed up. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea at all um, about any martial art. I hadn't studied anything, so I, that was my starting point. Um, so, it was just a, a, an extension of my physicalness, I guess I can say, because I've always sure. been very physical and very active um, and searching for challenging physical activities. So, the martial arts just fit that perfectly, as it turns
0: out. And of course, the, the listeners can't see what's behind you, but I can. And I should perhaps tell everyone that there is a very impressive uh, weights setup. up. <laughs> so so I, w- I would perhaps advise Against trying to arm wrestle Karina if you, if you get off <laughs> the opportunity <laughs> um, But yeah I mean I started martial arts you know, In the 80s also and when I got To university and I went along to the Freshers fair you know where they have those stands And all the, all the different clubs are trying to get you to Join yes. I sort of made a beeline For the martial arts clubs and yeah. Walked up to the Tai Chi table and I said Where do I sign and this chap I called Richard, He's like, now Tai Chi is this martial art from... No, 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 no. Where do I sign? I've been yeah. wanting to <laughs> do it for years. And as soon as I, as soon as I got the chance. So yes. what style of Tai Chi were you doing?
1: Uh, yang style.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. doing Chen Man Ching because that's what was available. Um, yes,
1: yes. I studied a little bit of that as well. Mm-hmm.
0: So you still... Have you stuck with your original Yang style?
1: I have. It's um, okay. It's been a long time, so it's evolved over the years. Um, the way I practice it is, um, I practice it as a martial art, um, yes. which, which, <laughs> which <laughs> it's is not how
0: most Tai Chi people do it, is it <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, not especially in Yang style, Chen, Chen style, you still see some practice it as a martial art, um, Yang style, not so much anymore, but it there mm-hmm. is, there are some, um, but I definitely am towards the martial side,
0: um, yeah. I, about the hardest I've ever been hit in a martial arts class was in a Chen-style Tai Chi class. Because when I was in Finland as an exchange student in 94, 95, I, was, I went along to the local Tai Chi club, which was Chen-style. And this guy, he would... Most of the people in the class were, shall we say, um, most of the women... Most of them were not particularly interested in any kind of fighting stuff. They were doing it yeah. mostly for cultural reasons. They were like sinologists mm-hmm. studying Chinese, and they wanted to do Tai Chi for kind of cultural reasons. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so I was, most of the time, I was the only actual martial artist in, you know, amongst them like, who was there for the martial arts bits. So he was always well, demonstrating on me. right? <laughs> so, you know, doing, doing, you know, doing this nice, gentle move, and there's me kind of like squealing and howling as he shoves my face into the ground.
1: Uh-huh. But, um, just about <laughs> yes. the
0: hardest hit I've ever got is—is is he did a headbutt on my on my stomach
1: oh. Oh, as yeah. he was coming up
0: out of <laughs> out of one of the low stances, and it was—he lifted me off my feet.
1: Wow! With his head.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, to my to my mind, Tai Chi is like the most vicious of all the martial arts I've ever done. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: it's it's uh it's well hidden.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I I hope we actually get the chance to do some push downs or something because it sounds like that would be kind of fun.
1: Yes, yes, I love that. You
0: Though know. it might it might hurt quite a bit.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> hurt me, I mean. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's. I like to train. The training can be intense, but it's it's. Well, we could talk about that maybe later. But the the, in, in all of the martial arts that I do, I train to learn how to control my body, and right. when you're with a partner. Of course you, you sometimes you get excited and and things happen but but the more you can control yourself the more you can control your partner and hopefully not injure them. <laughs> and I'm sure That's you I'm sure you yes. Um but you know things happen and when you're sparring and things like that it's it's uh, a different story but
0: so what does sparring look like in your tai chi class?
1: For me I in in my class um Sparring and training is training; it's not fighting. So That's I true. I separate the two as far as um, when when we're sparring, it's still controlled. Um, for me, push hands is still is still very controlled. Um, that can mean a lot of different things. It's hard to define exactly what do you mean by controlled. <laughs> um, we would have to talk for hours. Um,
0: I, I've got time.
1: it's it's developing the techniques and with your body and the principles that you're trying to develop through the techniques Mm -hmm. um and the control of yourself so when we spar we don't we don't we go we can go full force and full power but not at the expense of the opponent or your training partner not you know if i'm doing an an arm break i'm not going to break their arm of course. I'm sure. not going to choke them. So you stop before the injury occurs. Um, that doesn't mean when you strike, you're pulling your strikes. You, you understand what I'm saying? When you pull your strike, you're actually pulling it.
0: When yeah, you, I, 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 I when do you
1: that. when you stop where you want to stop, you're contr- you're controlling your movement. So yeah. that's that's what I'm looking at when we're sparring is you're you might make a light contact, but you're trying to make the contact either as at a hair distance, so you're controlling right where you stop, or you touch lightly. But I don't release force into the opponent. I do that on a heavy bag or a wall bag or some. You know, you need some other hmm. training uh, method to release power into something. But I don't do yep. that into my
0: my my training partner. I'd- and obviously, we're the same with with swords. I mean, for us, um, practice with steel swords. We often use a, a car tire, and one one person holds the tire, and the other one hits the side of the tire.
1: Yeah, and that mm-hmm. that
0: way you can hit it really, really hard, and there are yeah. no ethical consequences. And likewise, yeah, we use pearls and and you know other sort of yes. training equipment. Um, so I I think we're we're pretty much on the same page there. And All right. Yeah. The Think about when you're punching someone. It's it's really it's really easy to overcommit. If yes. You get a little bit carried away. Sure. And and Absolutely. and the whole essence of it is yes. Is if you overextend, then bad yes. things should happen.
1: Yes, so. and that's a that's a tricky it's a tricky thing because you want to commit, but you have to wait until it's intercepted by the other person if they block you or. Or parry whatever they're doing. If 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 you're intercepted, you need to be able to change on a dime. So if you're, as you know, if you're overcommitted, you can't make that change. So you that's very tricky to be able to switch gears mid-flow and be able to 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 change whether you have a weapon or not. It's the same, in my opinion. It's the same concept, and the same principles sure. apply. Um, so it's that control, that's what I'm talking about as far as control of your body, being able to commit to something, but at the same time being able to switch gears instantaneously when that when that attack is um, intercepted
0: in some way. Yeah, absolutely. So you took up Wing Chun at some point?
1: Yes, I started Wing Chun in 93. Um, and the reason was...
0: <laughs> I was going <laughs> to ask, I, you know, if you've got Tai <laughs> Chi and you clearly love Tai <laughs> Chi, so... <laughs> yes. so. Yes, I do. What what did that add?
1: My original teacher in Tai Chi did not teach it as a martial art. Ah. He he was a forms person, and I loved that. I loved the forms, and I loved the movement, but there was a huge component that was missing. And here in Tucson at that time, um, I didn't know of any other Tai Chi practitioner that practiced as a martial art. Um, And I saw... Uh, the Wing Chun teacher who was here, um, and his abilities martially were phenomenal. This blew me away. (laughs) So I knew right when I I saw him do a demonstration in Phoenix, and um, I knew at that moment I'm going to go to his school. (laughs) Um, Because it, it, it did, and I didn't know, again, I didn't know anything about Wing Chun. I didn't know what it was. Um I knew it was a Chinese martial art that's all I knew and and it wasn't that um I wanted to stay with the Chinese systems um it just happened that way it really to me when I watched him move it didn't really matter to me what he was what art he was doing I wanted to learn from him um and he he taught and practiced wing chun as a martial art um, and so that's when I made that switch, but I didn't want to give up Tai Chi completely. So I kept doing my forms, um, but I incorporated more martial aspect into it than was originally taught to me.
0: Uh, that's really interesting. And, you know, I often get asked about, you know, what sort of martial arts style, you know, if friends who have kids, for instance, oh, you know, my child's into martial arts, what style should mm-hmm. they learn? And generally speaking, uh, my answer is the style doesn't matter. It's the teacher that matters. If you get a good teacher, it it doesn't matter what style it is. Mm -hmm. The kid will be in good hands and will learn something useful. That is so true. Be in a safe environment. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's it's interesting that you you go to Wing Chun to pick up the martial aspect. um, Because again, we, we see it, you know, I study lots of different historical sword fighting styles and, Um, if you have someone who is a rapier fencer for example yes they use cuts but they don't really cut that much because rapier is optimized for the thrust Mm -hmm. Um, so I would recommend rapier fencers to take up something like longsword or saber or whatever so they really learn how cuts work properly and Uh similarly when people are very much into uh, for example smallsword I suggest they also take up saber or perhaps wrestling so they get some Mm -hmm. of the you know, what happens when things go wrong and you end up too close? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, I, you know, you kind <laughs> of have to build your own personal art out of all of the sources that are available to you.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: Um, so, um, I'm curious. That, so now are you teaching sort of Wing Chun and Tai Chi separately or yes. are they, so you, you no. kept them distinct? They have to create yes. the. Tarantino style of beating people up.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I keep them separate. I keep them separate, but the okay. a lot of the concepts are the same. So there are a lot oh, of sure. crossover and similarities, of course. Um, but I do keep them separate. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Who knows in the future? So, maybe there.
0: <laughs> something else. Yeah, and, and do you use, do you use weapons with both of those?
1: Yes. Um, mostly empty-handed, mostly unarmed, but we do use some weapons. I'm not as um, versed in weapons as I would like to be, but I'm I'm still working on that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah,
0: so so are we all.
1: Yes. <laughs> I, I
0: think I think that that stays true until you die.
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's just yeah. Uh,
0: for sure. So, how did you get into the woodworking?
1: Um, woodworking. Really came out of making the swords. Um, okay. I have never done any other type of woodworking. <laughs> I've never made oh, really? furniture. Okay. No, I've never made furniture. I've never made anything else. Um, uh, it would have been in the mid to late nineties. Um, my my Wing Chun teacher's teacher, my Siegum, came from China. Um, to visit, and he brought with him a pair of wooden bacham-do. The bacham are the Wing Chun, uh, they're often called butterfly knives or butterfly swords. Right. Um, they're the short, the dual short swords.
0: Short, and very and wide he, blade.
1: Yes, about a three-inch wide blade. The length can be anywhere from 11 inches to 15 inches, depending, and there's mm-hmm. different styles. Um, but he brought a, a wooden pair with him, and i had never seen a wooden pair before, and I just instantly thought, hmm, <laughs> I can make those. Um, not having any woodworking experience, but I, I craft things, um, you know, three dimensionally from my art background. Um, so I just I thought I could I could try that, and okay. um, that combined with I had uh, learned some um, Chinese sword the for, through Tai Chi the straight sword the Jin and the mm-hmm. and the uh, saber. Um, I hadn't made those yet, but um, I was using those at the same time. And but I saw the dough and I I really it really sparked um, an interest in trying to make them. Um, so that's where that started, and I started uh, experimenting um, with how to make them, with what wood to use, um, and it took me. Um, I would say a few years of research when I really started looking at making wooden swords um, for myself and, and training partners at first. Um, and then I was thinking, well, maybe there's a need for this, um, you know, out in the public, you know, maybe people would like to, sure. to have this. And, and at that time, at that time, as far as Chinese training weapons, wooden Chinese training weapons, there really wasn't much of anything. Um, There were, uh, there was uh, some, out of China, some very poorly made wooden swords, (laughs) which you may have seen. And they were, they were god-awful. They were horrible.
0: I remember. Um,
1: And, so when I started making the the butterfly knives, um, I very quickly started making the other swords that I was familiar with. And, um, that's how it that's really how it started was just i saw the wooden botcha do and and um it went it just went from there and I never stopped <laughs> i haven't
0: stopped since <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so it, it's a long it's a long way from making your own training sword to yes. deciding actually this is this is what I want to do for a living so mm-hmm. what what made you what made you decide to do that?
1: Well, it was basically the need the need for it at the time. Um, I really thought there might be an interest for Chinese-style martial artists at first. It mm-hmm. started with that. And um, it turned out there was an interest. I can't remember when I put up my first website. It only had a few items on it, and that would have been... That would have been the late nineties, early 2000. Um, and I really wanted to, to service Chinese martial artists who wanted to train with wooden swords. And, um, that was really the reason. Uh, I, I didn't know if it would, I had another job at that time. And so I was kind of doing two things at juggling two things at once. Um, but it it slowly switched over to the sword making. Just took over my life. It just <laughs> completely took but over within a few years.
0: I, I, but you must have made the decision at some point to invest in some serious machine tools.
1: Like yes, like, I can't. Yeah. I can't
0: imagine you're doing that without a decent table saw and probably a decent band saw or right. maybe a CNC machine or a table router or something like that.
1: Yes, I don't have a CNC machine, but I do okay. use you know all of the the, the typical woodworking tools: table saw, bandsaw, router, planer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, at that time, I guess I can explain. I was working as a, a model maker, um, which is uh, uh, there are companies out there who fabricate um, uh, environments for zoos, museums, aquariums. That sort of thing. So I was working as a model maker for a company. I quit there, to make a long story short, I quit there and started my own business doing that. So I had a shop, Um, Ah, not a a woodworking shop, but a shop that had some woodworking tools already. I had a bandsaw, I had some tools like that. Um, so then that's, I did have some of, I did have a small shop. My shop has gotten bigger. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: they do, they do that, they grow. <laughs> yes, it,
1: it had to. I was cramped into this small little space um, and I had to expand at some point. Um, but so that's how, that's how the transition came about. I was, I, um, when I finished college, I, I got a job as, as a model maker. And um, so then I started dabbling with the, the wooden sword making at the same time that I had started my own business and so I was doing both at the same time and the woodworking just the, the sword making just it took over so I stopped doing the other uh, job that wow. I had um, and it was a decision because I knew the sword making was not going to be a huge money maker
0: <laughs> no, definitely. It's,
1: uh, it's a very difficult way to earn a living. Yeah. Um, it's very physically demanding and it's, it can be up and down as far as sales, um, and not knowing, you know, but I just, I am a martial artist first and foremost. So I decided to take the leap and, and pursue that. So it's been my sole source of income since 2005, Wow. Um, so it's it's working
0: (laughs) good yeah and I'm 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 very familiar with the maths because I worked as a cabinet maker for four years and
1: yeah
0: you know getting paid piece by piece and only getting paid once for that piece that's yeah that's a hard road to hoe I you know writing books is great you write it once and you can sell it as many times as you like yes that's it you're done
1: yes I have Um, to keep making these
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's Yeah.
1: It, it's very, it's very, um, I, I have to slow it down. It's actually gotten to the point where, um, I want to teach more. I think I'm on the opposite track as as, that you are. I think I've heard you say you're teaching less and doing more woodworking.
0: Um, well, that's, that's mostly because of the pandemic and I can go to my shed at the end of the garden and do woodwork. And yeah, I, I would in a normal week, um, but well, let's say in a normal year, I would spend probably twice as much time doing sword stuff as I would doing woodwork. Uh, but okay. I don't do woodwork yes. commercially at all anymore. Um, uh, I make I make pieces and I, you know, I give them to friends and family and have you. Okay, um, but I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't want to. See, I've done the thing of taking a hobby and turning it into a job. I did it with cabinet making and it wasn't uh, the right job for me. Yeah. And then I did it with swords and it worked really well. Uh, yeah. But yeah. if I start, you know, making, if I start selling wooden pieces, it's going to become a job. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then there's just, there's just no, no fun to it. I mean, okay, I'm, this is, this is terrible for the listeners. I'm very sorry, but I'm just going to turn the camera around so you can see like that little chest of drawers. I'll put a picture nice. in the show notes. Right. Yeah um which i actually i just i made it basically so i could have this drawer which is a it's full of my fountain pens yes beautiful um
1: that's nice right?
0: beautiful. and you know <laughs> I, I i i could like i hand turned all the little knobs on it and wow it's all it's all done sort of it's all done in the most enjoyable way not in the yes. most efficient way yes Right, yeah. hand no, cut, all the dovetails, all of that sort of thing. And no stress, can't no that time. You do for charging for it, right. exactly. Right, It, it yeah. took, I guess from conception to finish thing was about maybe three months, something like that. Yes. But that is, that's me maybe spending an hour in the afternoon every, maybe five times a week and then the occasional weekend day, three or four hours perhaps. I don't, I don't even know how long it took to make because it doesn't matter. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but but as soon as you start getting paid for it, that that matters. That is that's that is pretty hard.
1: Yes, yes. It's it is difficult. It's with deadlines, and I don't, you know, I don't want people to have to wait, but they so. do have to wait. Um, for right now, and for the last few years, uh, if you order one sword for me, the wait is about three months. Uh, because that's not I bad. Have, because I have that much backlog, um, and I'm working. Uh, well, I used to work seven days a week. I'm trying to cut back on that a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that's probably a good idea. <laughs> uh,
1: I can't keep that up forever, uh, so yeah. I am trying to. I am trying to slow that down. So people just have to wait longer.
0: Uh, and, and you know, like a three month wait for something that is made to order is not a long wait. It really isn't. I've waited yeah. two years for a sword before.
1: Yes, right, yeah. and um, even
0: that was not extraordinary. Yeah, and honestly. If you have a waiting list maybe you should put your prices up
1: yes I know <laughs> I've been, <laughs> yes. yes I've been I've been uh, advised <laughs> many times uh, by various loved ones <laughs> um, yes, yeah but... yes I, I do I am working on that I am going to be doing that more and more as time goes
0: on um, you, you know one, one of the silliest things I ever did was when I started in 2001 doing sourcemanship for a living is I set the price at a weekend seminar at a thousand euros cause it was a nice round number and it was, you know, I was a professional and it was reasonable so, and I just didn't think about it properly
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: didn't put it up for 10 years.
1: Yes. Which uh, yeah. means effectively
0: my, <laughs> yeah, my, yeah. my weekend rate was as I got better, as I got more experienced, yes. my actual rate was going down. It was going down, was like, yes. No, exactly. so no, stupid. I,
1: yes, I did exactly <laughs> the same thing with the swords, exactly the yeah. same. I didn't change my prices for a long time. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, I'm barely making it here. Um, and and uh, I've been doing this a long time and there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, skill and expertise that goes into it, and that's worth Absolutely. something. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so I am working on that. And uh, my, um, my wooden dummies have a two-year waiting list. That is a two-year. Right. Course.
0: Yes, we need to talk about your wooden dummies. Um, okay, most listeners, I'm guessing, have some vague idea of what it might be. But if you could just, like, tell everybody what it is and then tell us about how you make them, that would be great.
1: A wooden dummy is, um, it's, it's traditionally used in Wing Chun, um, other systems use it now, but it's basically a, a, a pel with arms, with three arms and a leg on it that you use mostly for unarmed training. Um, you use it to work on when you don't have a training partner, or even if you do, you still, the, tra- the wooden dummy is a very, um, it's an important tool to use even if you have training partners. Um, you're working on the, the PEL, the, well, like a PEL, the, the, the dummy doesn't move. You must move around it. So you're working on your footwork and your distance and your range and your hand techniques and your foot techniques. And, um, it's, it's a tool that is, um, traditionally they used to be a post in the ground from what I understand. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, and now they're built on a stand um, and they move a little bit generally, so they give you some movement feedback. Um, but it's a really it's a really important training tool to develop a lot of the principles of of Wing Chun specifically, but any any art really.
0: Are you using it for sort of bone hardening as well? A
1: little bit. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's it's not meant to hit hard, um, but okay. you do you do tap it and you do issue energy or force into it um but that will increase over time as you use it so yes the bone the bone density does occur um but it but it occurs through the tapping it doesn't if you hit it too hard if you put it this way if you're working on the dummy and you get bruises you're hitting it too hard it should be it should be um a lighter touch but when you get used to it and you're, you've been using it for a long time on the on from somebody looking at the outside they might look say oh you're hitting it so hard mm. to you if you're used to it it's not that hard it looks yeah. like it's hard but it's not really enough to damage you or to give you bruises but at first you're going to get bruises <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> until until you get used to it
0: and and are you punching it
1: um, I do make contact, but then again, I'm 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 controlling it. So I'm not punching it with my fist. With, with an open palm, you can hit it harder. With your yep. fist, you're you're going to make contact, but much lighter because you don't want to hit something with your fist. You hit something solid with your fist. You're going to break stuff. Wouldn't be a good idea. You don't want to break anything.
0: Well, I mean, Kill Bill. It works in the movies. You can yes. literally punch through a board. I've seen it. And yes. and, and the bride punches through her, the coffin that they bury her in when she's alive It's yes. a very freaky and horrible scene. So yes. obviously it works because it's there in the movies. We can see I it.
1: know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I, yeah, I know. The movies are a great resource for things Absolutely. that can be That's done. That's where I get all my training <laughs> ideas from. Yeah, for
0: sure.
1: For sure. Yes, uh, but uh, oh,
0: yes. but so why why do they have a two year waiting list?
1: The wooden dummy, the way mm-hmm. I make them, um, and and let me also say I don't have any employees. I work sure. com- completely alone. Um, I package everything. I ship everything. I purchase my materials. I make everything, um, and I always have a backlog of of sword orders coming in, and the wooden dummies. Are more time-consuming, so I'm always working on one. But I'm right. able to make I'm able to make because of my schedule of working uh, of making the swords and working in the dummies at the same time. I'm able to make five to six dummies per year. Okay. Um, if I was only making wooden dummies, I could make more. But I'm trying to make everything. Yeah, <laughs> and also to- <laughs> you'd die bored.
0: If you just made the dummies, you'd get bored.
1: Yeah, I, I I do like variety. So um, it's that I, I have a backlog of of dummies. That for for the dummies, um, I probably have about well two years more than two years worth. I have about somewhere between fifteen and eighteen people on my waiting list. So there you wow. go. That's
0: if you're making five a year. That's that's
1: yeah right. Three so, four years. Right, right. So um, it's just it's just the way it is. They're time consuming mm-hmm. to make. Um, and there aren't a whole lot of makers out there of wood. There are some wooden dummies out there. Um, um, I make them uh, as traditionally as, as possible. I use my, my teacher's old dummy as my guide, and um, that's what I get that's what I pattern it after. Okay.
0: So. And what woods do you make it out of?
1: The wooden dummy I make from hard maple.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Why particularly? It, excuse me.
0: Why particularly? What makes oh you um
1: sound? the a few reasons the, the hard maple is is a nice dense wood um it is nice to turn on a lathe it's
0: lovely. um Go yes the knobs on that little chest are hard maple and the top left drawer is maple, it's maple my it yes yeah um, as it.
1: far as far as wood turning maple is really nice and it's that tight it's that tight grain structure that that really lends itself and it. it cuts well um, and it has a nice weight to it for the dummy for the wooden dummies. You want it to be. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't matter so much when it's hanging on the, the um, stand. The weight of it doesn't matter too much, but it has a feel to it when it's when it's heavier. Um, and the price, uh, the the hard maple that I use, it's not super expensive. Um,
0: That's an American thing. I got some beautiful uh, handmade handsaws. From floric toolworks from the states and mm-hmm. they maple is their default basic wood for the handles and beech, yes. which is what the default wood would be in in europe is like mm-hmm. 10 bucks extra or something because that's like a special wood whereas the maple is ordinary whereas uh, for us over here it's the maple yes. that's special and it's the beech is ordinary so exactly you know, I, yes i got maple and cherry on mine <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah
1: it? yeah yeah it depends on where you are for sure yeah
0: only- definitely
1: definitely Yes, but um, the maple is just really nice to turn, um, and it's it's a beautiful wood. So, I I only make them out of hard maple. I don't I don't use other woods for the for the
0: dummies. But I, I don't suppose you're you're turning the actual post on a lathe. Are you?
1: I am. I have. Wow, that's I, a I big ha- lathe. I, yes, <laughs> I have. <coughs> it is not a traditional type of lathe. Okay. Um, it does. It does hold the post and it spins it, but I'm cutting it with a with a skill saw. Ah, um, uh, okay. On a track above it, and so the track lowers down as I get right. around. So I'm not using a traditional lathe tool to to do okay. the cutting, but it is spinning, which is a little scary because it's about a hundred pounds of wood spinning.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's spinning against a. A saw blade that's also spinning. Yes. Oh my yes. god! If if something goes wrong, that is nasty.
1: <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> do you have all of your fingers? I do. I do. Wow! All of, all of them.
0: <laughs> Excellent.
1: <laughs> yes, um, I have some some safety precaution, but uh, yeah, it's uh,
0: of course. It's, uh,
1: it's not. It's yeah.
0: <laughs> wow! Everything. So so you're you're milling those posts out of. Lumber. So I imagine you're laminating it together. Is that right?
1: Yes, I am. Yeah. I'm laminating okay. together. Um, they were traditionally made out of one solid, like tree trunk yeah. or something that's uh, solid like that. Um, but then the problem with that is cracking and splitting. So I laminate right. them together. Um, there's actually 12 pieces of wood laminated together. So it is a process of laminating, cutting, um, shaping, and uh, it's it's quite the process doing wow.
0: it that way. Yeah, sure, I can imagine. Um, so, okay, you make each piece is made individually. Now, I as a maker, I totally get why that's much more enjoyable than production runs. Um, but what <laughs> so? Um, why do you do it that way?
1: I do work in batches, oh. so okay. I don't. I don't start to finish one sword at a time. I am making them individually, but I I work in batches of somewhere between five and eight pieces a week. So five and eight, somewhere between five. I would like to lower that to maybe three to five swords per week at some point. But You need to put
0: your prices up a lot then. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) I do. Um, So somewhere, and I used to make more like five to ten pieces a week, which is a lot. That was was nonstop um, just nonstop working. And so I've lowered it down a little bit, but, um, so yes, I work in batches. Um, but like I said, I always have a backlog of orders. So when you place your order, it will be two and a half months before I can even start your order because I'm working on all of that backlog. Um, so I do work in batches. Um,
0: but you don't do any production pieces like, you know, 10 identical long swords that you put on your website and then sell
1: no, I have thought about trying to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, right now, I, I literally can't. I have no spare time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always have a backlog, and I've basically this whole time since since two thousand five, I, I have never not had a backlog. I have never right. gotten to the point where I'm done with everything and waiting for orders to come in. I have so, I'm not so there. You,
0: you don't need to spend much time marketing then. No. also you don't get a holiday either.
1: Uh, Yes, exactly. No, I don't. I have a website. Um, I don't. I have also um, a Facebook page and an Instagram page for my Raven Studios, but I very rarely ever post anything because if I do, I get a rush of orders and and I'm already getting enough orders coming in. So I, I really don't market. I don't do much advertising at all.
0: So, where do those orders come from then? People, just word of mouth?
1: more word of mouth. Yes, it's mostly word of mouth. Um, some people just search online for wooden swords or wooden wasters or things like that, um, and they they find me online. But a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, uh, teachers will refer me to their students and things like that.
0: So you're not really in competition <coughs> then with Purple Heart, Purple Heart Armory.
1: Um, they were, they were making wasters before I was, I yeah. believe they were. And they were, um, there were maybe one other company. There weren't too many, but there were a few. Um, I think they've gone in a different direction as far as synthetics and, and different. they, oh, they
0: they're doing the wooden they, stuff as well. So
1: they're still doing the wood. Yeah. Um, um, I don't make as I, I do make for the Western um, mm-hmm. martial arts. I do make some still, not as much as I used to. Mostly my orders are for Chinese martial arts, um, okay. but I do I do get orders for um, the Western martial arts also, and uh, some Japanese and some Filipino, which is are the other items that I make. Um, but yeah, the. The the wasters. Um, I wouldn't say competition. I think there's enough work to go around <laughs> for <laughs> that seems for, to be. <laughs> for all the for all the makers that are yeah. out there. Um, I, I I really didn't. I've never really looked at it as competition. I, I think there's enough. There's plenty
0: to go around. Uh, sure. Um, in in the self publishing space, cause I, I publish most of my own books because uh, you make a lot more money that way. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a sort of you know writers uh somebody came up with the term co everyone oh. is cooperating with each with with each other mm-hmm. and i mean from a purely sort of business analysis point of view an external observer would say those two writers are in competition with each other because people are you know will buy that book or this other book and mm-hmm. uh, when in fact actually lots of people buy both books sure
1: Sure, yes. right? because yeah. Because
0: why, why would you want just one sword? Likewise, right. why would you want just one sword? That doesn't make any sense. Yes, <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, We absolutely. want all the swords. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. When it comes to swords, <laughs> yes, you want them all.
0: Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm guessing you, you primarily, when you're doing weapons training, you're primarily using wooden swords. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: What's your mind of the advantages of wooden swords? The
1: primary advantage... Will to me, for most people, Mm -hmm. sound like a disadvantage. Okay. The primary advantage to me is that they can break. Okay. And the reason that I see that as an advantage is because how you, let me put it this way if you're using a sword that you know is indestructible, you will conduct yourself in a certain manner. Yes. If, if you are using a sword that you know can break, if it's fragile even, uh, wooden swords aren't fragile, but, but if it was, say, go to that extreme, you would conduct yourself, you would move in a certain way, wouldn't you? You would control Absolutely. your movement. So, to me, I believe, <laughs> and it's not just because I make wooden swords, I truly believe having... Wooden swords as part of your training kit is very beneficial to your overall training. I don't think it should be your only tool, of course. I think it should be part of your, your toolkit um, for that reason. That is, that is a, a, a definite benefit to me.
0: That's a really good point because, of course, historically, for firstly, wooden swords were used, I don't know about China, but certainly in Europe.
1: Yes, wooden as mm-hmm. we
0: used historically since forever.
1: Yes, look at Jap- um, the Japanese boken, same, same
0: right thing. Uh, because they are they're a useful training tool. You can hit your friends without immediately cutting their head off. Right, right. right. But also, you can't hit that hard with a wooden sword without breaking something—the yes. sword or the person—because they yes. are actually damn dangerous. Yes, <laughs> <Right>. yeah, <they laughs> which are. is a good thing if you're simulating a weapon.
1: Right, right, and so I take that from my. That really comes from my training in Wing Chun. When mm-hmm. we train in Wing Chun and we do something called qi Sao, which you're familiar with as far as push hands,
0: sticky hands. It's because, sticky yeah.
1: hands, and yep. we when we when we train, there's also a, 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 an, a an extension of qi Sao that is called gorsao that is more cheese is more pre-arranged drills gorse out oh. is not pre-arranged it's more random so you don't know what i'm going to do i don't know what you're going to do and it is within parameters and within rules but but it's much more freeform. Mm-hmm. we don't wear any training we don't wear any protective equipment we don't wear gloves we don't wear chest protection we don't wear pads we don't wear any we're controlling ourselves even when we're going more full speed and random um it's a very important part of our training to learn how to control your movement, to learn how to control your body to that type of degree where you're not injuring yourself or your training partner. Um, I extend that to sword training as well, um, and which is why I use the wooden swords. And we again, we don't use any protective equipment. Uh, face protection with protecting your eyes, yes. yes. Um, but as far as padding, Um, we don't wear protective equipment that way. Um, now, of course, if you're doing something more where you're competing and you're sparring, then you, then you, of course, would, would need that. But I'm talking about more, more, um, controlled training, which can be fairly intense if you build up to the point where you can control yourself and your partner can as well. You wouldn't want to do this with beginners. <laughs> no. but, but if both training partners are at the level that they can move intensely with control, there is a great benefit to that type of training, as well as other types of training. This is, again, it's one type of training in, in, a, in a full spectrum of methods of training. Sure. Um, so, so the wooden swords, to me, the way I think of it... Um, lends itself to that. And I and I at one point years ago I dabbled with synthetics. But I decided to uh, there's a kind of a story with that, but I decided to to abandon that idea and stick with the wooden training swords.
0: I, I really don't like the plastic swords. I mean they're great for okay. I have they have a use case to mm-hmm. my mind, which is if you are starting a club and you need something that is relatively safe to give a complete beginner and you don't have a great deal of money they mm-hmm. are the cheapest and most durable bang for the buck so you can put a sword like object into lots of people's hands at once and it doesn't break the bank and you only have to buy them once and they'll last pretty much forever
1: mm mm-hmm. right yes Mm-hmm.
0: so oh, yeah. so you know, as, as a way of getting people started, I don't have a problem with them,
1: yeah. But, yeah, but
0: from, from, from any kind of like serious training and aesthetic point of view, I just cannot stand them. Like I yeah. won't have them in my myself. <laughs> no, they're horrible. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so, so, wh- so what are your feelings on synthetics?
1: Um, they're pretty much the same, same idea. Okay. Um, they they have their use they they you know they definitely have their use um it <laughs> from my experience and this is the the story that i was going to tell you i had um i had a customer who had ordered a wooden pair of the uh the bachamdo, the butterfly swords mm-hmm. and i they broke and he contacted in me he contacted me and asked me if i had ever thought of making them out of plastic because it would be more durable and i hadn't really thought of it at that point but i so i i agreed i said i would i would i would try that so i i did some research i looked around i tried some materials i sent him a prototype and he broke those. <laughs> he didn't what was is the, he the, doing he did, with these things? <laughs> That's exactly my point. He <laughs> didn't He didn't break the blade, but the hilt, the way I had the hilt constructed, the hilt came apart. Um, but it was because of the striking on the blade. Um, and that's when I thought, hmm, this is promoting a type of training that I don't believe in. And I can't tell my, I don't, I don't try to tell my customers how to train or anything like that. It's not my place. No, sure but i i can control myself <laughs> with what i make them uh you know and so so yeah. as far as synthetic plastic when people hold a plastic or even a, a plastic sword in their mind even if it's subconscious they know that this is it's plastic it won't break so they so they conduct themselves in a way and also that it's is, plastic
0: it's not real
1: yeah yeah. It doesn't you,
0: feel like a real training tool.
1: It's yeah. It's 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 just hmm. it, it it's it does something mentally, uh, in in my opinion. And not overall. It's just that 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 that's why I decided not to go in that direction. Because I didn't want to promote a type of training that I don't really believe in. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's right. If they're used in that way. If they're not used in that way, fine. That That's perfectly fine. But if they're used to just uh, beat the crap out of each other and beat the crap out of each other's swords, then I just didn't want to promote that type of training. So I, I stick with wood.
0: And I've, I've seen similar things with steel swords. Like one of my students brought a steel sword through my school back when we were doing that perfectly good sword from a good maker and then he took it off to some other club
1: mm-hmm. and he
0: came back and complained because it was basically like mashed the edges were mashed into these sort of yes <laughs> it was it was literally like somebody had put it on an anvil and yes. just beaten the shit out of it with yes. <laughs> a crowbar
1: right I, and I looked on. at it and I was like
0: what the hell have you done to that sword he started, well, yes well my opponent was must- I like, yeah. okay, show me exactly what they were doing. And they yeah. were doing these ridiculous edge-on-edge parries. Exactly. Really hard up-striking yes. blow against a really yeah. hard down-striking blow. And that's what's going to happen. You're going to destroy the sword. Exactly. If you a sharp sword, you'll destroy right. it even faster.
1: Yes, yes, it's, thank it's, it's you. Just, like, <laughs> thank like, you, I bow to no. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That sort of training, that, it destroys <laughs> steel swords as well.
1: <laughs> yes, so. yes. And, and, and for, for people who... Who learn from people such as yourself? They're going to learn that they're going to learn that that's not correct. But there's a lot of people out there who 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 aren't learning that or are just playing around by themselves. They don't have an instructor. They just have a sword and they want to they want to try swinging it around. Um, don't do that. This is a perfectly
0: good thing get a, to do.
1: Get, a, get, a, get, a, yeah. <laughs> get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get and find an instructor. Uh, you know. Um, I did receive actually someone early on when I used to make my long swords with a, a pommel that was attached. I make them integral now. They're, I used yeah. to make them attached. Um, the pommel broke off because, and they sent the sword back to me. And this is a wooden sword. And exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying, it was dented. It didn't break, but it was smashed Mashed. along the entire blade from tip to guard. It was just on both yeah. sides. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> So yeah. Look,
0: I, I have a spear in mm-hmm. my in my shed at the moment, or I can show it to you. And it's basically just a, a it's a training spear. it's got a rubber point on the end. Mm-hmm. And that I've I bought that staff in I think about nineteen ninety-five, and I've used it for quarter staff stuff, Japanese and um European. And I've used it as a spear shaft and I've even put a poleax head on it at one point and use it as a Polax, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it has gotten a bit mashed up. And every mm-hmm. now and then I have to sand it because otherwise I'll yes. get splinters. Sure, right? sure. But mm-hmm. that thing has stood up and it's just an ordinary like like bow staff. So like a um six foot long, well, I guess it's about inch and a bit thick. Yeah, yeah. Staff. Yeah. That I, I bought it from some martial arts shop. 25 years ago, and it is still working just fine. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Because it had no, I haven't let anybody just sort of smash it over and smash over and it. over again yes. with a, with yes. a stick. I, why right. would you do that?
1: Yeah. No, I, yeah. Well, the movies, you know.
0: <laughs> ah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Where we get all of our training ideas from. Yes. yes
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but- so that's, I mean, I don't know what your opinion is as far as the wooden. Swords, I know um, uh, many people don't use them anymore, um, but I'm just curious as to what your what your thought
0: is on them as far as pros and cons. My thought is that for what we do um, for most styles that we do, the best option if you can get it is a decent quality steel training sword yes, right? mm-hmm. I mean, particularly for things like a rapier sure. Right, Absolutely. because yeah. you just can't make a wooden rapier that's actually going to behave yes. like a rapier. which yeah. just doesn't behave that way over that sort of length and that sort sure. of cross section, and what have you. Um, so, what I advise people who are just starting is if they if they can if they can realistically save up for a blunt steel sword, yeah, um, they should use just any old broomstick. Sure, um, a dowel. And, which is like, right, yeah, a dowel, exactly. Something, is, I don't know, $5 or something, or maybe 15 if you get a nice one, mm-hmm. um, that you cut to the right length. And that that just kind of keeps you busy while you're saving up the money. But if, that's, if it's going to be a while, then a wooden sword would... I would much, much prefer students to get a wooden sword to a plastic one. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if it's a club, then... Um, the plastic swords are more durable, they're cheaper. Yeah, sure. It's, it's a reasonable, you know, if you're buying it for other, for other beginners to train on, then it makes, yeah. makes sense to get the cheapest, most durable option. Yeah. Um, if you're, if it's going to be your own training weapon, um, then absolutely would. And there are plenty of places where people don't have places to train other than sort of public parks. Yes, and there problem. are some places where you really shouldn't be swinging steel swords around in a public park.
1: Yes, right? yeah, absolutely. So you can get
0: arrested. Yes, I, I have uh, had the experience of a, of a of a police officer holding a submachine gun um, coming up wow. and thing. In, in the end, he was like, "Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, carry on That's fine. <laughs> so Call us and let us know." So it wasn't a problem. But yeah, but there are some places where that can get me arrested. And in that case, having a, having wooden swords is would be my absolute go to.
1: Default. Sure, sure. And a lot um, of people can only practice in parks. So that right. So weird. if you're
0: practicing in parks, in public, what have you, wooden swords would be my choice. Um, yeah. Not least because they're also historical. Yes. Right. So, so And if you're trying to recreate, for example, a 14th century knightly combat system, it's probable that a lot of the young sort of knights in training, so kids of the right social class who've been packed off to learn how to be knights... <sighs> Um, they would have probably done quite a lot of their practice with wooden swords.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, I I can't I've, document that.
1: Right, but right, it just sure. seems
0: very likely. Sure, um, yeah. and we do know that people were training with wooden swords. Um, for example, George Silver makes, mentions it in his Paradoxes of Defence. So, mm. you know, they're historical. They are reasonably cheap. If you use them properly, they're extremely durable. They don't yeah. upset the police, and they're yeah. not. Not something something you get from Tupperware,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that I, they, I don't tend to
0: use them myself because the places where I tend to go, yeah, I there are, there are steel swords everywhere, and I sure. have dozens of steel swords. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would certainly recommend them.
1: Yeah, and and like you said, they they're they're historical. I I believe most cultures. Um used wooden swords in their training at some point in time you know earlier on and um, you know can't prove that for some cultures but um, they're still used today heavily in Japanese and Okinawan arts and um, Filipino arts and uh, the Chinese systems so um, they have their place it's not an absolute not an absolute for sure you definitely want to have other other types of swords or the steel swords for sure um but
0: you know they're <laughs> and they're cool and they're cool and they're beautiful <laughs> they are <laughs> they're great yeah and, yeah, and you know I'm, I'm a woodworker you don't you don't have to sell me on the wood <laughs> thing. Um, yeah yeah so yes. I it's 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 quite a thing to set up a company to make wooden objects for people and particularly in, in a in a niche like that so it's yes what what has, what has been the hardest thing the biggest challenge
1: uh raising my prices
0: <laughs> right yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, raise your prices. Um, so, people listening, get in quick and put in your order no, no, now. No, 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 <laughs> no. no, 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 no. Okay, no, okay. No. okay. I have I, yes, do do before they do that. Before they do that, but expect to wait six months for them. Yes, there you go. There we go. <laughs>
1: there you go. Thank you. Um, yeah, the 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 most difficult part is. Is the the amount of time and uh, I you know I didn't realize I would be this busy when I started this right um, and and uh, that ha- that is the most difficult it, it's and it, and it has it has had um, times where it's dipped down as far as sales of dipping down and, and then having to worry about am I going to get enough orders in and that is pretty much not an issue anymore it was towards the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's more managing the time and, um, trying not to work seven days a week. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat of a workaholic because I, I love to train and I love the work that I do and I love s- to serve martial artists of all different styles to enable them to train in their art with a finely crafted tool. Um, I I get great pleasure from that, and so it's very satisfying. But uh, but the difficult part is the time that it takes
0: to do that. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. So. Okay, so you don't have a great deal of spare time. Um, no. So so there must there must be some ideas you've maybe wished you had time to have acted on. So what is the best idea you haven't acted on yet?
1: The best idea that I haven't acted on yet. Mm-hmm. Um, again, raising my prices. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, um, yeah, actually, um, what I really want to do is teach more. Um, okay. I, I really enjoy teaching and, um, I am working towards that as far as having more time to teach, and um, I would I would have to say that that's I haven't well I have sort of acted on it, but I haven't really full fledged acted on it yet. So <laughs> I guess that's my my okay. answer. Um, I I want I, to I s-
0: totally get the wanting to teach more because yes, know I, I teach because I, I really like it.
1: I I I just. Um, st- the the decision for me to begin practicing martial arts was probably was well I don't say probably it was the the best decision I ever made and for many many reasons it has benefited me um, uh, profoundly in so many ways and we wouldn't be talking here today if I hadn't started martial arts all those years ago and and you know it's just. Um, for me to um, to to help people to train by making them tools is one thing, and I love that. But I also love to teach, so that is something that I really want to work more towards in the future. Is having the ability to try
0: to teach. So, what's stopping you?
1: Time um, and partially time because of the Raven Studios is takes up so much of my time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so slowing that down is is crucial. Um, the other thing that makes it difficult for me personally is where we live, um, ah. and I don't want to I don't want to move. Uh, right. But uh, teaching from where I'm located, as far as and teaching in person, I know there's people teach online and all of that. Mm-hmm. I don't do any of that at the at the time at, at this time. I don't teach online, um, but that is another um, avenue that I need to explore. Um, but I would much prefer pra- uh, teaching in person. My husband and uh, my husband also practices uh, Wing Chun, and so we teach together. Um, and we were starting to do some seminars and traveling, but that came to an end last year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure.
1: uh, so that wasn't an option anymore. Um, uh, hopefully, that'll come back. But uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's the time and and where I'm located um, I have uh, one student that travels from Tucson um, he's he can he can come up to see me once a week he travels an hour each way um, mm-hmm. and he's very dedicated we train for at least three hours when he's here and he trained and he practices at home so I, I, I don't expect to have a big school it's not that I want to have a big commercial school I would just like to have so, you know five to ten students <laughs> um, that would be fine that would be great Um, uh, and so we have a handful now, but you know, a few more would be great locally. Um, So if anyone's
0: listening to this, who is looking for a martial arts school, um, near Oracle, Arizona, (laughs) where, where, where should we send them?
1: Um, the easiest way. Is there a website? I have, we have a website for the, for the, um, Wing Chun as well as the Tai Chi, um, uh, Actually, the Raven Studios would probably be the easiest way to okay. to to find,
0: and the... we'll put a link in the show notes. So sure, yeah,
1: yeah, excellent, yeah, yeah. That sounds
0: okay. great. So. Taking time off from making wooden swords to spend it hitting your students with wooden swords, it does sound like a good trade
1: to me. <laughs> it, it does. It does. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That sounds wonderful to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Excellent. Well, thank you, Thank you so much for spending the time with me today. I mean, I know you, you should have been in the workshop making wooden swords, but instead you're, you're sat talking to me, so <laughs> yes, I do well, appreciate it.
1: It was wonderful, wonderful to talk to you. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Karina. You can find the episode's show notes, including photos of some of the stuff we talked about, at guywindsor.net forward slash podcast. While you are there, you can sign up to my mailing list and I'll send you a free copy of my book, Sword Fighting, for writers, game designers, and martial artists. I'd like to thank my patrons on Patreon for their kind support of the show. It lets me know that you care about the show and want it to continue. You can join us there for behind-the-scenes content and to submit your questions for future guests. That's patreon.com forward slash theswordguy. Thanks, as always, to Andrew Lawrence King for the Baroque Heart Strums, originally recorded for my Paradoxes of Defence audiobook project. Join us next week when I'll be talking to Peter Lyon, swordsmith and sword designer and... We get into the weeds about what a sword maker actually does when he works for Weeter Workshops on all sorts of movies and things. So if you'd like to meet the man who built the swords used in Lord of the Rings, as well as many other movies you have certainly heard of and probably watched, then subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from. And while you're there, please do rate the show. And if you have a moment, leave a review. It really does help. See you next week.